the whole day I was like a little weepy and my mouth was spicy and it was just like the sound of it going off and like the scream When I met Nicole Dubita on a backpacking trip near Sudbury, Ontario last spring, she was between long-distance hikes. Having through-hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2017, Nicole, known on the trail as Trash Panda, was gearing up to hike the 1,123-kilometer Great Divide Trail in the summer. I through-hiked nothing in 2017 and was gearing up to hike a 180-kilometer trail that summer, so naturally, when she ambled into the campsite we were sharing that night, she peppered me with endless questions. Jokes aside, Nicole so graciously fielded my questions about her PCT experience that afternoon, I made a mental note to connect with her after the GDT and ask her to be on the show. The GDT is no joke. It begins at Alberta's Waterton Lakes National Park at the Canada-U.S. border, basically picking up where the Continental Divide Trail ends, then continues north through the Canadian Rockies for more than a 1,000 kilometers, crossing the Continental Divide between Alberta and British Columbia 30 times. Unlike some North American long-distance hiking trails, the Great Divide Trail isn't always officially signed. It's sort of a patchwork of separate trail systems connected by roads and ATV paths, so hikers need strong trail-finding instincts. Also, the hiking season in the Rockies is short, and many of the trail's exit and entry points are remote. It's not all remote, though, passing through five national parks and eight provincial parks, and it's possible to arrange resupplies at reasonable intervals with a lot of advanced planning, which is what Nicole did. And the planning paid off. Nicole completed the trail in two months this summer. So, without further delay, let's get into it. We actually met earlier this year in the spring hiking at Point Grandine. Surrounded um, by black flies and mosquitoes, that's correct. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. That was... that was uh, An ordeal, but like a pleasant one because the company was good. Yeah, the yeah. company was great. The company made it all worthwhile. I actually have fond memories, even though afterward I couldn't open my eye. But um, <laughs> you were great and it was really amazing meeting you and then getting to hang out again. So Likewise. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for coming over, and uh, yeah, tell me, tell me, give me your like Cliff's notes about the GDT. Sure, if so you will. It starts at Waterton Lakes uh, International Peace Park. I think it's shared uh, with the American uh, Glacier National Park, so it starts right at the American border, same place where the American Continental Divide Trail starts or ends. So it goes through five different national parks in Canada. Uh, nine provincial parks and something like uh, three or four special wilderness areas. Um, so it goes through like Waterton National Park, Banff, Kootenai, Yoho, and Jasper. And it goes, there are a couple different terminuses. People either end at Jasper, that's kind of like the shortest one just because it's super convenient. Usually you can also end at Mount Robson Provincial Park, but um, this year it was flooded out. So I finished at the most northern terminus, which is at Kakwa Lake Provincial Park. Or, actually, yeah, it is a provincial park. It's also, on the Alberta side, it's a wilderness area. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. And and so that took you... 55 days wow. uh, with six days off. 
Oh, amazing. Six, I guess, zero days? Yes. One of them was unintentional. We got caught in a snowstorm and had to stay put for a day. Um, And yeah, I know in August, right? But um, the other ones were planned. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. And so I guess this trail is um, pretty remote compared to a lot of long distance hiking trails. So in the United States, they have... um, um, the American National Scenic Trail Scenic Trails Act, and that provides a lot of funding and support for these like extensive long distance hiking trails. I uh, in 2017 hiked the Pacific Crest Trail from Mexico to Canada, and it is this like beautifully maintained like it's like people call it the pretty cushy trail or the piece of cake trail because it's just like so well kept. Um, Canada doesn't have anything like the National Scenic Scenic Trails Act. So the GDT is unofficial. Um, it utilizes pieces of uh, trails that exist in different parks, but sometimes there will be sections where you're entirely off trail and you're just route finding uh, through the wilderness. Sometimes you're on old forestry roads. So there's a, a variety of terrain and difficulty. And then there's also different alternates you can take. So if you want like maybe a more challenging off-route approach, you can take this alternate or if you want to take it easy you can take a different more road-based walk so it's nice because to a degree it's kind of a choose your own adventure but you just want to make sure you don't bite off more than you can chew yeah so and then I guess you don't have to worry about purists who are like oh you didn't do every single yeah um, yeah it's not so much the like the Appalachian Trail like true to the through sort of thing so yeah so I was talking with my partner a couple months ago about um you know potential next hikes and he uh you know he was kind of he was kind of like oh well why don't you why don't you just hike this this um this trail in Canada the GDT it's right here it should be pretty easy it's it's like right here you don't have to go over the border but um my impression is that in pretty much every way except maybe length it's actually it kind of a bit harder than I mean like okay so it definitely has its challenges um there are sections of it that are on like beautifully maintained trail like there are some parts in the national parks where it's like smooth sailing so there are sections of it where it would be easy to be even like a first-time backpacker at going on a trip and then there are sections where it gets a lot more challenging just because these are old decommissioned trails or there is no trail, so navigationally you need a different skill set. Yeah, so. that's that's I guess that's sort of what I was getting at was more just the like when I think of um, you know, trails like the Pacific Crest Trail and the AT, resupplies seem pretty straightforward or or even just yeah, resupplying in towns mm-hmm. and the carries are shorter and you're not um, connecting different you know, sections of, of trail. So yeah, like how did you manage not, not to discount anyone who hikes the PCT or the, or the AT at all, but like, yeah. yeah, Like how did you manage food carries and resupplies on, on this hike? So I was really, really lucky and my family is from out West and my aunt and uncle live in Canmore, Alberta. So right next to Banff and, um, they, love the mountains get out and about a lot my uncle actually works near jasper he's a glacier tour guide so they did a ton of uh support for me but i will say resupplies are actually sometimes way more straightforward on the gdt than on the pct because the trail often goes 
right through the town or the resort. Oh. So actually, COVID kind of complicated things because some places weren't uh, holding packages. But I didn't ever have to hitch or anything like that on the GDT. The PCT it was like a constant thing, and sometimes it would be a pretty lengthy hitch, too. Like, part of that was because I had uh, this support system helping me out. But for the most part, even though the food carries were longer, I didn't find resupplying to be the biggest challenge, which was great. Oh, okay. Okay, so on average, like, how long were your food carries? Uh, it depended. Like, sometimes it was four days. The longest was eight. I almost oh. had to do a 13-day carry at the end, but uh, serendipity kind of hooked me up with some other hikers who were able to pay uh, outdoor outfitter to hike us in food Mm. usually um there's a resupply option at mount robson provincial park but because of flooding that whole trail was closed Mm. so you had to do the entire i think it's like 300 kilometers north of jasper in one go so we were lucky and we were able to pay this outfitter to to do a food drop for us because otherwise it i was actually road walking out of jasper with 13 days of food on my back there's a 20 kilometer road walk right after it and i had met this couple who live in jasper who were through hiking and they were getting dropped off at kakwa provincial park and hiking back to jasper and i wasn't supposed to um, get in touch with them because i got a day ahead of them but they decided to just crank out the last day to Jasper uh, and got ahead of schedule. So I'm literally hiking out that morning being like, oh my God, this is so heavy. And I get a text from my friend Bridget, who's like, oh, we got into Jasper. Good luck. Uh, Hopefully we'll cross paths with you when we're headed south and you're headed north. And I'm looking at my phone and realizing like, this is a great opportunity to like hike with these people that I've enjoyed camping with because I crossed paths with them maybe three or four times we camped together. So I just asked, like, hey, can I get a ride up with you and, like, split the resupply? And they were generous enough to uh, to do that with me. So Oh, my God. Yeah, so that saved me because 13 days of food is really heavy. What, so. Yeah, what does what, what, what did that look like, too? I mean, like, with, your, with the resupply options that you had, um, you know, going from town to town, mm-hmm. was it sort of what you would expect on, on another – it, like long distance trail like were people were the businesses there sort of anticipating that hikers would be coming through and not to the same degree um okay. like on the pct in washington a lot of the resupplies were more kind of like extended gas stations so it was maybe closer to that like some of the places uh you would be pretty hard pressed to to get a good resupply out of and they're very expensive like the canadian national and provincial park towns are they're they're pricey so like a lot of them were like little camp stores where you'd be like oh my god it's like eight bucks for a bag of chips right so you could do it but you probably wouldn't be happy so i planned out most of my resupplies uh when i was staying with my aunt and uncle before the trail in canmore and i was able to kind of like create my resupplies to have them drop off in advance Oh, that's great. So so a lot of your resupplies actually were dropped. They dropped off. were, except for um, the one I did in Canmore when I was I stopped and visited them halfway. And then in Jasper, they brought some stuff and I supplemented it. Like, I think for the most part, you could swing it, but there are definitely some places like Field, I don't think you could resupply there. And Saskatchewan Crossing, you wouldn't want to. So, so so for these places then, for, you know, for someone who's considering hiking the trail and, and 
um, you know, like doesn't have a family around, would you suggest that they actually mail themselves resupplies to these different locations? There are definitely places you would need to, because some of them, like one of my resupply spots was Peter Lougheed Provincial Park, uh, just like a campground there. So they have like a tiny little camp store, but it would be really challenging. Mm. One of the first stop, actually, I didn't send a box to. Coleman uh, has like full resupply, grocery store, everything you need. They have an outfitter there. My shoes fell apart, so I got a new pair of shoes. Like, yeah, so that's like great. The first town is like a huge relief because it was like, oh, this is like the PCT. But afterwards, you definitely need to kind of plan your mail drops in advance. Okay, that's that's really good to know. Jasper would be fine also to resupply in without like having to mail anything. Yeah, Jasper's huge, right? Yeah, yeah. and if you get off trail at Banff, you're, you're golden as well. So. Right. So where did you take your zero days? Um, Peter Lougheed Provincial Park. I took a like stay in a tent zero. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I took three zeros in a row staying with my aunt and uncle in Canmore. I took one in Jasper and then I took one in the Jack Pine Valley uh, in a snowstorm. So. Oh, right. Okay. So, so that was a, you didn't even get off trail for that one. You no, just hunkered down where um, you were. So the most Northern section of the trail, uh, section G is very, very remote uh, and very very wild, doesn't see a lot of use, and you're basically, your bailout points are all, like, a 70-kilometer trek to a road or to a town. So we were doing the notoriously, like, the worst part of the trail. It's super overgrown with willows, and it follows the Jack Pine River, and it fords it, I don't know, 15 times. Oh you're my constantly God. <laughs> going back and forth across this river. So we're headed southbound on this section, and... Um, the weather had sucked. We'd planned on doing this high route, and uh, we'd planned an extra day into our schedule because high routes are more challenging, so obviously you can't cover the same amount of distance. So we were planning on taking the Perseverance high route, but we woke up, and the forecast we got on our Garmin was like, tons of rain, and it's not safe. So we have to take the regular trail, which goes through the Jack Pine Valley. Everyone hates the Jack Pine. The first, like, 10K of it, we were really lucky, and, like, two days ahead of it, the Great Divide Trail Association had, like, helicoptered in volunteer workers, and they had mowed it down and maintained it, and it was, like, pretty good going. But then we hit the willows, so it's raining and raining, um, and it's like a car wash, because all this vegetation that's overgrown the trail is just, like, dumping it on you, right? (laughs) So we are drenched, uh, miserable. It's like, like, when I say willows... It's like being in like a fist fight with the tree constantly. <laughs> like I can't. It was so oppressive. Uh, and then the weather took a turn, and it stopped being rain, and it started being snow. And this was August. This was August like twentieth, twenty first. In the Canadian Rockies, like it yeah. can snow basically at any time. So we were wet, and then we were becoming cold, and it was definitely a situation when we were where we were like, oh no, like this is hypothermia risk and this area of the trail is also super boggy so it's not like you can set up a tent anywhere so we were just kind of like slogging through there are basically like two places on the the jack pine river it's like 20 kilometers long they're like two sites that are decent for camping we got lost we found a flat spot and we just set up and hunkered down it snowed all night. We were wet. We were cold. <laughs> like, I don't think we really slept. It was just like a constant night of like banging snow off of your tent and like mm-hmm. shivering in your sleeping bag. And we woke up the next day and there was like easily 
10 centimeters of snow on the ground. It oh snowed God. till 1.30 in the afternoon the next day. And we were like, if we pack up, we have to ford this river over and over again. It's just, we're just going to get wetter and colder. So it like makes more sense to stay put and just wait it out. Because it is August, like it's going to melt, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah it was a... Uh, one of those situations where it's just kind of like, I guess we just have to like hold out and deal with it. But my company was amazing. Uh, we were able to like keep our spirits up and joke about like kind of the ordeal we were, we were having. And looking back on it, it's a fond memory. It's just that at the time it was awful. Yeah. yeah. It's like a type two fun kind 100%. of thing. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny, actually. I was looking at, um, we didn't cross paths with many other through hikers uh, in that section just because... A lot of people didn't do it because of the flooding at Mount Robson. It was just hard to get to. But we did cross paths with some familiar faces. And one of them, I was checking her blog because, like, we had crossed paths with them that morning. And it was like, oh, they got snowed in somewhere, too. And they all had to stay put for a day. So, so it's kind of like either either way you would have been, oh, man. And from that, like, I have so many questions about about your gear, about how many people you saw. Okay, so, so the night that you're stranded in the snow. Yeah. Um, did you, were you using, was your, is your sleeping bag down? Yes, like, it or is. Or your quilt? Or yeah, like, you got it. Yeah, and so if did it that gets, get wet? Like, how did it that? It was soggy. So the most northern section, because it's very boggy terrain, um, my tent had a lot of condensation issues. So, like, you'd wake up in the morning and you'd be like, well, not only is it wet from rain on the outside, it's kind of wet on the inside. So I had a pretty small tent and it's single walled, which means it mm. tends to pick up condensation. So yeah, my gear would be damp in the morning and usually we'd have a time during the day where we could like take a drying break, yard sale, lay out everything we have that's wet <laughs> and just like hang out until On it dried. On top of the snow though? Oh, like, well, or did like the, the snow, snow melt, like, okay, right? Okay, okay. Like usually While it was were, like, it would yeah. rain overnight and then during the day at some point when it was sunny out, we'd dry our stuff. Yeah. But Unfortunately, the day we did the jack pine, that's what I mean. it rained yeah. all day. Yeah. So uh, my gear was already a little bit wet from the wow. night from the night before, uh, and it was yeah, it was really really cold. Like I spent like the night turning like a rotisserie chicken because <laughs> the side that was exposed to the air was too cold, but the side pressed against my sleeping pad was like pretty warm. So I'd like lay there for five minutes shivering and then like turn oh my god <laughs> what about okay so tell me about your gear like did you have did did anything that you brought perform like exceedingly well like you were so glad that you had it or 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 was there something that didn't quite work out for you on this trip so my tent is exceptionally lightweight but that did not mean it was the ideal tent for the GDT. I had a Z-Pex Hexamid tent, which is like a very small DCF Dyneema tent. So it's super lightweight. Uh, it was like a, uses one trekking pole to set up um, and it's single walled. It weighs like 13 ounces, so wow. it's like nothing. It was incredible for its weight. It would be great on the PCT. Like okay. I would take it on the PCT, no problem. But on the GDT, having more space and having something that has two walls because that mm. helps with condensation would have been amazing. It also kind of started falling apart on me. It was, there was some tape involved <laughs> keeping it together. So by the end of it, like it's a very, it's a very tired tent now. It's uh, it's kind of on its last legs. So that unfortunately wasn't maybe the ideal gear choice. Um, For this particular trail. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love my backpack. I have the Osprey Exo, so it's not like a fancy cottage industry pack or anything, but it's like bomb proof. Like I have the same one. Yeah. Well, I have the Aja. 
but oh, okay, yeah, 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 I love it. Totally. I uh, used an older one on the mm. PCT, and when it fell apart, they gave me another. So, like, oh, lifetime great. guarantee, like, it's durable. I just, like, the, I'm familiar with the layout of it. That was awesome. And also, I bought a fanny pack that I really liked yes, as well. So, yes, yeah, I love fanny packs. Totally. You put your snacks in there. You put your map in there if you have one, your phone, whatever. You got you it. You put in your fanny pack. Uh, yeah, maps, snacks, yeah. phone. I carried a little camera. Oh, which nice. probably point and shoot. Yeah, it ended up like I had gotten a new phone just before the trail. It ended up that the phone probably had a better camera than the camera. <laughs> Hindsight, but yeah. yeah, yeah, it was just kind of like my little odds and ends that I might need during the day: utility knife or yes. like sunscreen, things like that, hand yeah. sanitizer. So whistle or yeah. like whatever ID you have to bring. Like totally, yeah, yeah, like hiking wallet, which is a Ziploc bag yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I always when I hike the Sunshine Coast Trail in uh august i always had i had like a every day i would refill a little ziploc bag of pizza goldfish oh from God, a bigger yes. bag of pizza goldfish and just carried them in my totally in my, in my fanny pack there's so nothing I'd... worse than being like hungry and having to take your backpack oh. off like when you just want to snack while you're walking no. so i always yeah like load up with bars for the morning. Then, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure I've almost dislocated a shoulder trying to reach to my like side holster pockets to get a snack totally. that I put in there. Yeah. And st- yeah. On the PCT, we would call it the cowboy tickle. <laughs> <laughs> Reaching know. back. Yeah, I don't know why, but that was the name for it. That's, that's the old cowboy that's tickle. That's really great. Yeah. That's really great. And um, so, like, your what was your footwear on the GDT? So I started with New Balance Leadvilles, which were the shoes I wore on the PCT and I loved, but they discontinued them in like 2017, 2018. So I bought a whole bunch of them off of eBay, but I did not consider a whole that, bunch. Like, was that like I a three pairs? Okay, okay. Like not like a shipping pallet worth. Or no, okay. I wish I couldn't find them. It was really hard. So I bought them, but I did not consider that perhaps over time, like adhesive and plastics break down. So I wore a a pair of them for, like, section A of the GDT, which is, like, I don't know, 120 kilometers, and they fell apart completely on me. So that was really stressful. I rolled into Coleman and was like, maybe I can hold out and, like, super glue these together for the next section. But luckily... um, there's a lady there that runs an air uh, bed and breakfast only for GDT hikers. It's called a safe haven, and she is an angel. Like she's the most remarkable woman on earth. She's mm. so generous. She drove me all around town to like do my resupply, go to the pharmacy, oh, and then wow. she dropped me off. I hadn't even told her about the shoes, but she dropped me off at a gear place. So I was able to get... Like, that was just her initiative? She was like, yeah. I bet you need to go here. She was like, I'm going to take you to the candy store. And I was like, oh, sick. I love candy. And then it was a joke. And she took that me to That was her the... euphemism? Yeah. Yeah. So I was You're like, like, oh, I really wanted candy. Yeah. But at the same time... So I was like, oh, my God. And I picked up... <laughs> I really like New Balance shoes because they have them in wide sizes. And my feet are, like, Sasquatch broad. So I got New Balance more trails in men's extra wide. And they were great. I ended up wearing two pairs of them. So did okay. On a side note, this is not the next question that I actually wanted to yeah. ask. But did your feet widen and flatten out more after the PCT? Yes, uh, they're like a half size bigger than they were. Okay, totally. Okay. Yeah, mine are really flat and wide too. And I feel like even just after like a summer of hiking, like I don't know, like three hundred kilometers. I thought total, it was just like being like guys like your feet swell on a long hike. But I really do think that like the constant compression of it does change your feet permanently yeah yeah 
I mean, it's, I don't know. For, I, no regrets. There are different schools of thought, yeah. but I, I've, yeah, I've heard it's, like, kind of natural for your feet to be that, you know, yeah. flattened out I like mean, that, so. it makes sense, right? Like, our feet aren't exactly made for shoes, so. So when you had to deal with, I mean, was there, was there only the one, the one time in, in the valley that you had to deal with snow? Or, like, at the higher elevations, were you? There were sometimes, like, little snow patches. Okay. Um, the PCT, I had way more snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hiked it in, like, a really high snow year, so it was, like, I don't know, I probably did three or 400 miles of, like, nothing but snow. In trail um, runners. Yes, which kind of sucked. <laughs> but the GDT, like, occasionally you'd hit little patches where, like, yeah, you'd be going over a pass and you'd be like, okay, don't go on that cornice or things like that. Yeah. So there were pockets of it, but also it was, like, July and August, so the melt had already done a great deal of it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that was really cool is I took an alternate that took me on a trail in Yoho called the Ice Line Trail, and it takes you like right up alongside glaciers. Oh. So yeah, it was super neat to be like. I think I saw some of those photos. Yeah, it was yeah. gorgeous. So I felt really lucky. I wasn't supposed to. Have, I couldn't get a permit on permit day for that section, so I had anticipated going through this section called the Amisqui Valley, and it's notoriously bushwhacky. But when I got to field, I had to go to the visitor center just to, like, charge all of my things and use their Wi-Fi anyway. And I figured, I'll just check. It was a long weekend, the day of, and I went in, and the guy was like, oh, yeah, we've got one cancellation at this site. (gasps) So I lucked out and was able to do this incredible alternate. Oh, my God. Trail magic. Yes, definitely. It just, yeah, things just work out. Yeah. So, okay, so you, you were telling me about the trail angel, or, you know, I don't know if she would use that term to describe herself. Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. I think so. Did, well, I mean, we all do. So, yeah. Yeah. Did, did you meet many trail angels on the on the GDT? So, I would say that... Is there, like, a, a safe, lot of trail magic? A safe Haven was kind of the only organized one. They've been hosting hikers for, I think, like, a decade. And, oh. yeah, they were exceptional and so giving, so generous, like... I think it was like 60 bucks to stay there and they fed me like three meals. And it, yeah, incredible. Um, and like drove me all around town, gave me snacks. They had a hiker box, which is like on the PCT, basically when hikers send themselves resupplies, they always either send too much food or they end up hating the food they send themselves. So hikers will just leave the things they don't want in a box and you can just be a raccoon and take whatever you want out of it. So Coleman was the only place with a hiker box and it was awesome to like have that like little through hiker familiarity. Apart from that, I didn't really get any organized trail magic like I did on the PCT. Um, I mean, I guess part of part of the deal with the PCT is trail angels know that there's going to be a bubble of hikers coming through for the season or whatever, whereas on the GDT, like... There probably aren't big bubbles of no, people. No, I mean, this year it was definitely, there were more through hikers out than ever before. Wow. But because of the permits involved, um, there's kind of like a bottleneck on the size of mm-hmm. the through hiker community. So because there are only so many permits issued in some areas a day, like there are places where literally there are, there's like two permits that like, if you don't get them, like for two parties, you're you're screwed. Um, I had to book. I think it was like eighteen or nineteen separate backcountry permits. Whoa. Uh, I planned everything out on a spreadsheet, and like if you didn't nail all of these backcountry sites, it could screw up your entire trip because wow. uh, some of the some of the trails that constitute the GDT are so popular that like maybe there are ten sites in a campground, and 
everyone wants them. You know, you're vying with a thousand people that all want these sites in the right. summer. Weekend warriors and yeah, stuff. Totally, yeah, totally. Because there's like the Rockwall Trail, there's the Iceline Trail, there's the Skyline Trail. These are like world class, shorter hiking trails that are like 50 kilometers long. So people want them. So the GDT is a lot harder than something like the PCT when it comes to permits. Like the PCT is hard enough to get a permit, but you get one. The GDT, you have to like sit down, make a spreadsheet where you're like, what is my mileage this day? And you have to consider like, well, how hard is the terrain? And like plan all this thing in advance. And then on permit day, hope that you get it all. So it made it, um, like that was, I guess one nice thing about COVID was that I had time to dream and like work on my spreadsheets. So yeah, like, so how long how long did you spend um, organizing and and preparing for this hike? Because it strikes me as a tre- like tremendous amount of logistical stuff to figure out like a lot of hurdles yeah so 2020 uh i had planned on southbounding the continental divide trail which starts at the same place that the great divide trail does and it goes to the mexican border right so um that i would i was planning to start end of june obviously it didn't come together um the gdt scared me because it's hard it's been like a really tough trail and like the continental divide trail is harder than yeah. the pct i was gonna say that's saying something because the continental divide trail is sort of like an advanced kind of yeah <laughs> so trail. i kind of was like oh no like i'm jumping from like the bachelor's degree to the phd without the <laughs> masters in between but i just like once you get the through hiking bug it's kind of hard to just be like, okay, well, I'll wait, and then maybe next year the American border opens up and I can hike the CDT. So I figured, you know what, screw it. Like, dream big, we'll see what happens, because, like, who knows if I can even do the GDT next year. So I immediately, basically, in, like, I don't know, March or April 2020, started planning away, because permit day initially... Uh, I thought it was going to be in the winter, uh, like December or something like that of 2020, but then it ended up being in April of 2021 because they kind of pushed everything further back. Yeah. So I had ample time to kind of like do my research, uh, read a lot of blogs, get the guidebook, <laughs> kind of sort all that out. And so there is one cohesive guidebook? There is. Oh, Dustin wow. Links. he's kind of the guy that reformed the trail or like renewed it. it the trail was an idea the Girl Guides had in, like, the 60s. Oh, wow. And Parks Canada for a while was like, yeah, let's do this. But then it fell apart because of backcountry use issues and just, I think, kind of, like, um, trail maintenance and logistical and the costs. So it kind of fell apart after the 70s. There were some sections that people put together. Um, But then in the year 2000, Dustin Lynx, who had done the PCT before, and is this guy, crazy guy in Canmore, very talented hiker. He just went and did it. And he wrote the guidebook, the Great Divide Trail Association reformed. And they've been putting in like a ton of labor and volunteer hours, uh, providing trail maintenance and resources for hikers. So it's getting easier and easier in a lot of ways to hike. Um, this year, they opened a whole section of trail called the High Rock Trail, which because it's not in a national or provincial park, the GDTA was able to do like volunteer maintenance and trail building in. So there was all this brand new trail open to hikers. Wow. So it's it's amazing to see the trail like come together and grow and to get to be part of it. So 
Yeah. That is so cool. And so, so you're you're kind of um, you describe the trail as like. Um, I don't know. Well, a fever dream. Like (laughs) there are times where you're, it doesn't exist. And you're like, we are all, this is a shared hallucination by like a hundred lunatics this summer, because I'm just in the woods. Like there's nothing here. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, how did you um, connect all of those bits of trail, those like threads of trail? Is it something that you had to meticulously um, map out before you started hiking or were there a lot of places where you were just kind of figuring it out on the fly like okay this one there and, like so yeah there is an app okay <laughs> we live in the future for which the is CDT? amazing for the yeah there wow. is um so there's a company I think they just changed their name or sorry for the GDT yes not the CDT they used to be called gut hooks I think they're called like far out or something now and they oh. do trail apps for uh, whole bunch of long distance trails uh like the all the american ones but they also have a gdt app it has a lot of the alternates so i had that and i also had paper maps but they were older so some of the alternates weren't on it or routes had changed and weren't always as accurate paper maps i did not use as much except for there were times when the app didn't work so then i definitely like went old school navigation Um, but for the most part, there might, basically you'd be hiking on a trail and then there'd be nothing. And then maybe there'd be like, oh, I think I see a piece of orange flagging. And you just kind of crash your way through the wilderness, check the app and be like, well, it says that this is the way. Or you'd be like, well, I know I have to go down this valley, right? Or if I follow this creek, eventually I will hit. Wow. Yeah. That's like old school wayfinding. It was, it was fun. Like I hadn't had to do that on the PCT. The PCT is a trail where you can kind of just like turn off your brain and walk. And the GDT is a trail that punishes you when you aren't paying attention for the most part. Like there were some sections that were like really popular and well-maintained where it was just smooth sailing. But then there were other places where... Yeah, you were just like an idiot in the woods being like, where the hell am I? The joke we had is that the GDT is called the GDT because you're always like, where's the goddamn trail? So... <laughs> where's the GDT? Yeah. I love it. How many other hikers did you did you meet, like, roughly on the trail? Like, Ooh, That's a great question. Um, you know, I because of permits, you don't really end up camping with people the same, like, at over and over again like on the pct i had like a trail family for a big chunk of it where i just always camped and hiked with seven people but uh on the gdt because you have your own itineraries and you have to stay at these reserve sites you couldn't do that so much the first time i really got to stick with some through hikers was in mount assiniboine provincial park and it was amazing because uh on the facebook group which is like the best resource for the gdt if you're planning it uh i had kind of like made brief contact with this woman who was hiking the trail with her husband and we like shared our spreadsheets and we're like oh i'll see you here so it was really cool because uh it was them and another guy who i'd kind of been leapfrogging with and we got to just like hang out and have like a little through hiker party and we were the only people with this site um and i ended up uh mark and bridget who are the the couple uh she was the one i had talked to on facebook i ended up camping with them again in section d and then in section e we camped together for a couple nights and they were the ones that live in jasper and we hiked the whole like last 300 kilometers together so it was just serendipity that i got to meet these amazing people oh that's then yeah apart from that um saskatchewan crossing is like a resupply resort where you can mail a package to it's the only thing 
between um, like Banff and Jasper, basically, or Field and Jasper. And uh, there were like a dozen of us. So we, they had like a little um, like hangout room for people staying at the resort. And even the people that weren't staying there, we all just like bought 12 packs and sat around like telling trail stories and drinking beer together. And it was magical because basically when you're on the GDT, you don't see through hikers. Sometimes yeah. you don't see anyone. So it was wow. really cool to have that little like trail community aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's so wild to me that everyone is so staggered and, and you know, you, you can go so long without seeing anybody. And uh, yeah, it was like with the PCT, like, yeah, you'd kind of see the same faces leapfrogging and then maybe you wouldn't see someone for like. 200 miles and then you'd be in a grocery store and be like hey yeah <laughs> so that didn't happen so much on the gdt but because i southbounded the last section i got to cross paths with more familiar faces who i had met before because right. i was going the opposite direction so i wouldn't have seen them but because they were going north and i was going south i got to be like hey yeah so yeah. that was a treat so it was in jasper that you flipped up to Kakwa. yes and then you hiked back, back down to jasper. jasper and that's where you finished you got it ah oh, okay okay so were most of the people that you met on the trail also like former or not former through hikers, but like they had already they had already through hiked, or did you meet people who were? It like... was actually a variety. Um, so the couple that I hiked with the most, Mark and Bridget Scott, amazing. She's a photographer. She's unbelievable. Mm. I'll hit you up with her stuff. Yeah, um, please do. <laughs> they have never through hiked before, but they live in Jasper and they're super accomplished backcountry hikers. Um. Like, they do a ton of scrambling. That's sort of their deal. Another girl I met, uh, she has her triple crown of long-distance hiking. So she's done the Continental Divide Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Appalachian Trail. So her, like, yeah, like, she has a pedigree of hiking. Unbelievable. She's running out of North American. Yeah, yeah, like, her alphabet soup is (laughs) almost complete, right? Um, And it was interesting because she found it in some ways challenging too right so it was neat to kind of hear from someone so experienced about what their um experience was i wouldn't have felt comfortable doing the gdt without having done uh at least a big chunk of the pct um the year i hiked the trail it was a big snow year so i had to get comfortable with not having a trail to navigate on because it was buried so that definitely helped in terms of just being lost in the woods and having to find out where i was going um and it just, I think, also just having maybe that sort of background and confidence, even if it doesn't help when you're, like, snowed in or anything, you can be like, I've done this before, it's fine, like, I can deal with this, or, like, yeah. But I don't think it's impossible to do the trail without having done another long trail. I just think it's hard. Yeah, well, it seems, yeah, it's definitely a logistical gauntlet. Yeah, and I would say there are... It builds up. The like the last two sections, F and G, are kind of like the grand finale. And they're after Jasper, like it is a different animal. Really? Because so immediately yeah, like, t- tell me about like the, the terrain, the topography, oh, it's, how it's, technical the actual trail is. It really depends because of all the alternates. I would say so section A when you start in Waterton, you're in a national park and you go over these beautifully maintained trails. But then as soon as you're out of the park, starts to change. There's a part where you go over a mountain called La Coulotte Peak and there's nothing. You are just summiting this this scree slope, just like fighting your way up it. And then I took an uh, alternate called Barnaby Ridge, which was... I didn't bite off more than I could chew, but have you ever like 
taken like a bite of peanut butter so big you're like i have to eat this or i'm gonna suffocate <laughs> that that was barnaby ridge it was like really 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 hard um and how it was so, off trail so? um so it was scrambling there was no trail like obviously you're on a ridge so you know where you're going um but it was like bushwhacky scrambly there are some cruxes where you are like if you fall you die so it was beautiful stunning but um the hardest thing backpacking wise i had done up to that point this trail tore me up (laughs) wow like like worse than the pct oh my god um there was a bushwhack so dense in section d you couldn't even fall over if you wanted to like it was (laughs) (laughs) like you couldn't whack no no it was just like yeah like it was a night and like just tripping you constantly like i was with mark and bridget for that section and all you could hear was just screaming (laughs) we were so angry (laughs) but you know you look back and you're like yeah that was fun uh, at the time, it was not. <laughs> so, how did you how did you prepare for this hike? Like, uh, not as well like, as I yeah. should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. we, I know you were going to hike uh, La Cloche, yeah. um, but the pandemic restrictions prevented that. Yeah. Uh, so for the PCT, I like lost 30 pounds and went to the gym every day at like 5 a.m. For the GDT, I like went on some walks. <laughs> <laughs> like, In just, like, Toronto. Around, like Rouge Valley yeah, and stuff like, like that. There just wasn't, uh, like gyms weren't open, so that wasn't really an option. I live in a tiny apartment. I had a terrible little uh foldable exercise bike i bought off of amazon and i would just spend like an hour every day just like on this bike for the entire pandemic but i was not it's cardio yeah i had cardio but i i was scared like headed into the gdt i was like i think this might murder me yeah. um i do think for people who have done long distance backpacking trips it's like muscle memory or something even if you aren't in great shape your body still somehow knows how to walk, I guess. I mean, yeah. So Yeah, like how to handle the, the, the kilometers. Yeah, so it definitely whatever. was harder mm-hmm. um, than, like, the way I started the PCT. I gave myself, uh, like, I strained both my Achilles tendons, I think, because I hadn't been on, on the hike? GD. Yeah, oh. so that sucked. Um, and I think it was just because I hadn't been working on my, like, ankle flexibility as yeah. much. So, I mean, I just kind of suffered through it and eventually it went away it did go away okay <laughs> yeah it took like i don't know three weeks of being like ow ow so it's interesting when you talk to through hikers about what they do um some of them are like oh i just like eat um ibuprofen all day like vitamin i yeah exactly yeah. like bridget was like just constantly consuming ibuprofen that works for her i mostly just like silently suffer and hope it goes away i'm not a very smart person so like <laughs> i, I don't know i'll just that. be like this hurts and and then hope it stops and uh so far every hike i've had where i've had an injury uh it's stopped 
So okay, okay. Yeah, that's... And you don't like necessarily take a zero day. You just like no. So I had strained my Achilles tendons in section B, and then I had the three zero days in Canmore uh, in the middle of section C. Yeah. So I was like, oh great, I'll have some time to rest. I felt worse afterwards. Like when oh. I got back on trail, I was like, this is a nightmare. And I think, like, strained tendons shouldn't get better from more use, but. Mine did. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's like a muscle thing too, right? It like your muscles been. stay like kind of supple yeah. if you keep moving. Like, and same thing happened on the PCT. My sister lives in Portland, Oregon, so I took a couple days off to visit her, nice. and she runs a chiropractic clinic, and she's like, "You can like have a massage here." So I was like, hey! "Amazing!" The masseuse was like horrified by my body because <laughs> I had walked like I don't know two thousand miles to get there, and afterwards, like immediately afterwards, I was like, "This is awesome." I felt wretched for two weeks. I don't know. Like some, I think you just have to be like awful to your body and your body gets used to it being awful. At least I've been, I've been fortunate enough. It's worked that way. And then like you, you shave off the calluses metaphorically and all of a sudden it's all like tender and achy. Oh my God. I mean like who says through hiking is actually like really, I don't think people do it because they think it's really good for them. (laughs) I mean physically like. Like after you did the Sunshine Coast, did you have like a hobble or anything or did you feel fine? No, I felt fine afterward. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, actually I still do have some tenderness in that Achilles. Um, I, I've been taking, I've been climbing, like taking climbing lessons and my shoes are too small. And after every, every time I climb and I wear them, I feel this like little twinge in the same Achilles, but I actually, I wasn't hobbling. I was doing okay after. Were you hobbling after? Um, Not on the GPT, on the PCT. There's like a joke that you can like recognize even a clean hiker in town because there's a thing called the hiker hobble. And like you are a beast. You can crush miles on trail, (laughs) but then you get to town and you're just like a granny. And I like had an extreme case of a hiker hobble. Like after the PCT, it took me like a month. (laughs) to like I was just like a little bit wrecked by it. I think it was just like your body is at, adapted to doing this one thing and then it's like wait what like even just walking without a backpack after five months felt really weird oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure yeah walking or like did you use trekking poles i did so yeah yeah totally like um, like i feel like when i when i've been using trekking poles for a while and then i and then i stop i'm like i slouch or or like like, how do i stand upright without yeah. After the GDT, I went and visited family that live in BC, and we did a ton of hiking, but we didn't necessarily have trekking poles. And I just remember being like, I should be good at this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, trust me, I, I really did just spend the last two months 100%. hiking. Fi- or 55 days hiking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. And so, um, did you have to carry a bear barrel? Uh, no, I carried an ursac, okay. which is uh, basically like a Kevlar, mm-hmm. uh, theoretically bear-proof bag. Uh, so I had an experience on the Silhouette Lacloche Trail in 2020 where I used, you tie it to a tree. You put all your food in this Kevlar bag and you just tie it to a tree. That's what you're supposed to do. The thing is that that doesn't stop the bear from chewing on your Kevlar bag. So mine failed. Actually, it was able to get a big enough hole into the bag that it was... It it was under warranty and they replaced it, but it made me feel pretty hesitant about the ursac. Um, because the thing is, if it chews your food, 
you open your food bag and you just have like a bare saliva goop. And when it ate my Ursac on the first day of the Sula Lacloche <gasps> Trail, I was like eating tortillas with like bear tooth marks in them. <gasps> and you're it, like, it was the first day. I was like French kissing a bear for that whole trip. <laughs> and like, I, I was like, we're still doing this. Like, I can salvage this because I over. Carry rhinovirus? I or, hope like, not. I don't know. Who knows what I've got, right? <laughs> but yeah, so it made me hesitant about the ursac but there are no regulations um huh. about that sort of like using a bear barrel or a bear canister like on the pct i had to carry one in the sierra yeah um and you you have to if you camp in lawson volcanic park but um i will say on the gdt in the national parks most of the sites have bear lockers okay that's good so they're grizzlies yes in the rockies yes <laughs> so that's the thing is like on the pct you will never meet a through hiker who hangs their food everybody sleeps with their food but the gdt has grizzly bears like i wouldn't eat in my tent i wouldn't like i was very serious about like making sure i didn't have a wrapper on me because yeah, yeah you empty out your fanny pack and, and like, like all the pockets after you've tied your ursac up to a tree that's far away and you realize oh that cliff bar wrapper you have to go and like dump the wrapper in it like it was just like grizzly bears are serious business yeah. so yeah. i had to be a lot more careful that way i carried bear spray as well um almost had to spray a black bear that was a little too friendly but oh. that worked out i did bear spray myself so no! I'm, no! I'm an experienced <laughs> through hiker let me tell you were you testing it what happened no. so like i was saying the jack Pine Valley has willows and they grab you and they toss you and buffet you. And they also grab the safety on your bear spray. What? Yes. So it took the safety. A willow tree? Yes. Sprayed you with bear spray? No, it did not spray me. It's worse. This is a very embarrassing story. But I was going to the bathroom and my bear spray was on my fanny pack. So I went to like pull up my pants and I had to press the bear spray. (laughs) Luckily, it was aimed behind me. But the whole day, I was like a little weepy and my mouth was spicy oh, and it was no. just like the sound of it going off and like the scream <laughs> it was a very embarrassing experience spicy so. surprise yeah Not what you want so going i really, to the really peppered my mashed potatoes that day oh uh, my god yeah okay wow okay okay so bear spray didn't get it in the face though because that would have been a nightmare Um, yeah yeah were you alone at the time no i was with mark and bridget in that section so everyone laughed at me and it was great yeah yeah like what would you do if you were alone and you bear sprayed yourself in the eyes i mean you have to crawl out on your hands and knees the thing is you have to like get away from the place you've bear sprayed because the bears are interested in the smell of pepper so, like, it, it's a deterrent for a while, but then it's just a lingering scent that attracts them, right? What? I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it's it's pepper. Yeah. So, you would, like, it, I would just have cried a lot and, like, wandered <laughs> through the bog, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you didn't have to do that. Yeah, me too. Although, it would have been a funny story. It but, would've. like, I mean, it was a funny story as it is. It was also as, a day after I had, accident- I had had to stay put for a day in the snowstorm. So, it just would have been a series of cascading problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, were you affected at all by the wildfires? So, section C and D was really smoky. Um, not to the point that I felt, like, unsafe or had breathing problems. There was a girl 
who I had talked to on the Facebook group, we were hoping to meet up, and she had asthma and had to get off trail. Oh, wow. Because, um, yeah, visibility, Section C is, like, notoriously beautiful, and it was still pretty, but visibility was not good. Wow. So that was disappointing. Same thing, Section D, even though it was lovely, you you knew there were these amazing mountainscapes just beyond your sight that you should have been able to see with clarity. We got really lucky in Section E. Um, it just disappeared. Uh, and until the last day. Uh, so that kind of sucked. Like, I could see it rolling in on the distance. And I was like, come on, don't do this to me. Uh, but the next morning I woke up and it was like an orange, like, Mad Max sort of, like, Whoa. eerie, smoky. Like, couldn't see anything. Damn. So, it, but then it cleared again. So I would say probably I had, like, two and a half weeks of wildfire smoke that, mm. like, caused some issues. But I was pretty lucky. Yeah. yeah. Did you bring, did you, did you ever feel like you might have to resort to like putting your bandana on your face or like. No, nothing a, like that. Yeah, um, okay. The year I hiked the PCT um, in Northern Oregon, it got pretty bad. Like I had a sore throat, like wow. you could feel it in your sinuses sort of thing. It wasn't that bad um, on the GDT for me this year. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Um, so what advice, I guess, what are some some pieces of advice that you might offer to someone who's considering hiking the GDT oh. like in the upcoming season. I know it's tough. It's like you could get really granular. Yeah. Um, like um, good sources of information or, or any any kind of advice you can think of. Well, um, the ice cream at Peter Lougheed Provincial Park, they give you, if you get two scoops, it's a lot of ice cream. Uh, so get two scoops. Yeah, okay. It, like I crushed that it, and it was a lot. Um, let's see. I would say the GDTA website is an amazing resource because they give you like sample itineraries to be like, here's what sort of permits you'd want to to get for a slow pace or a regular pace or a quick pace. Um, I would say for people who have through hiked before, if they've done something like the PCT or the AT, expect to do 25 to 30% less mileage in a day. Uh, yeah, just, what, what was your mileage? So I would say probably 25 kilometers a day. The longest day I did was 40, and then the shortest, who knows, it was probably like three. But um, it was considerably more challenging to make mileage. Like you couldn't cruise at like four and a half kilometers, five kilometers an hour. Uh, usually I could expect to do two and a half. So uh, I found that luckily... I had planned to, like, make it a little easier on myself, but I still had some days where I was like, oh, man. Um, just because of the bushwhacking or the challenging uh, elevation gain or the route finding, everything was slower. Or there are parts that are so poorly maintained that you'd be do or there was a part that was decommissioned. So it used to be a trail uh, in Jasper National Park, but they don't maintain it anymore. Forest fire happens. Now you've got a jungle gym where the trail is, right? So you're climbing <laughs> over like eight logs piled up on each other. There was a oh five kilometer God. section that took like three hours just oh. because it was like parkour the whole time. Like, uh, so yeah, I would say expect your mileage to be less. Um, what else would I say? Uh, it's stunning. Like, it is such a beautiful trail, even though it sounds like this, like, it was an amazing time. I had a blast. It's so beautiful. Like, the PCT was great, but I feel like in two months, I packed in the same amount of beauty that I did in five mm. months on the PCT. 
Um, permits are like really hard to organize, so it's not a thing you can just kind of wing. Like a lot of long distance trails, you can kind of just be like, I have a broad idea and I'll take it from here. The GDT, you have to plan. Um, some people do not hit their permits, and I think that that is a disservice to the trail community. Um, these places are, some of the sites are super popular and in super high demand, and through hikers can get sort of entitled, being like, well, I've planned this huge thing, and mm -hmm. like, I deserve to be here. But the thing is, for a lot of people, this like three-day backpacking trip that they've booked is this it's the highlight of their year right so to show up and take their site yeah. um i think um does not reflect well on us as a community so i think through hikers have to be very careful uh to plan accordingly of course there are cases where like what do you do if you're locked down in a snowstorm things like that so to a degree i think you have to be flexible but i think we have a responsibility to do our utmost to um to plan to give ourselves breaks to to do those sorts of things to make sure that we hit them yeah so yeah yeah so that you're not you know trying to to do something on the fly at the last minute at the like uh, risk of in inconveniencing or or i yeah. don't know affecting somebody else and i mean it could be a case where like maybe you have to roll up and ask someone like sorry something didn't work out for me like like if you're injured everything's on the table right but yeah. if you're just like oh, this day was harder than I thought. Show up, don't set up camp, wait till every, wait till late, and then ask someone if you can share a site with them. You can't yeah. just have this expectation that because you're on this grand adventure, you deserve more. I earned this, yeah. so I And it's easy it. when yeah. you're like doing this massive thing to get really, for your focus to narrow and be like, it's all about me, but it's not. Like, this is like public land, yeah. so yeah. yeah. No, for sure. And yeah, no, I think I think that's really good advice. And I mean, in, in general, I know you can get away with not planning a lot for some trails, but I think it's just better for everyone if you do your due diligence to, yeah. to plan as much as you can, you know, plan for, for emergencies and contingencies and things like that. Um, so, yeah. And the other advice I'd give is the alternates are amazing. Um, make sure that you are comfortable uh, like do a lot of research because most of them are off trail and they're more challenging. I did Barnaby Ridge and it was really hard. It was stunning. I did Coedinock Pass and that was also really challenging. There was a boulder field. I don't like boulder fields because it's just like playing. It's it's like playing a game of Jenga, right? Like you, it, everything's fine until you put something on it, and then all of a sudden this large rock is tipping and might crush you. Yeah. So <laughs> That's uh, the key. it was stunning uh totally worthwhile but harder than i expected um i did the six passes alternate in jasper and it was amazing it was like 20 kilometers all off trail um you go over six passes and it was like i was the only person with the permit for it so i had this entire astounding valley to myself with the endless chain on one side it's this incredible ridge of mountains uh you could see the moline valley on the other side like if you can get permits for this do it um, that section is a permit bottleneck because you can either take the six passes alternate one permit a day, or you can take the decommissioned Moline Valley Trail, and there's one permit a day for that too. So the GDT, because of permits, is so challenging because everyone wants these. Um, but don't try to, like, cheat 
you know, like, um, the Facebook site is amazing for, uh, everyone goes there if they're going to through hike. So a lot of people this year were like, I have this permit. Do you want to join my party? Mm. So people were able to link up and find ways to work around these bottlenecks. Yeah. And okay. Maybe I'm not like, do you have to get a permit for like for every night? Kind of Um, thing? Or is it like only in the national parks and some of the provincial parks. Mm. So like I said, 55 nights, I guess 50 of them were on trail. Mm. Um, and I think I had 18 or 19 permits I had to get. Mm. So yeah. Okay. So out of 50 nights, 18 or 19 were like, I need to reserve a spot. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. All right. That's cool. And so, no pressure, but what's next? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely thinking about it. Uh, The Continental Divide Trail is still really high on my list. Uh, You've already done the top half. I know, right? right? I'm also really interested in the Pacific Northwest Trail. Um, It starts in Glacier National Park, and then it goes um, west towards the ocean. Uh, So that one, I think, is maybe a little rougher too because it's a newer national scenic trail in the states so my understanding is that it is quite challenging at times so it would be like the gdt yeah on the other hand after the gdt i I can definitely see the appeal of a trail like the pct that's just like turn your brain off and walk like you don't have to think so much yeah so i don't know i don't think i want to do anything harder than the gdt because it was (laughs) it was plenty hard but it was uh astoundingly rewarding yeah yeah that's amazing that's really cool and yeah like thank you so much for coming over and chatting about your your experience on the gdt it was a pleasure and thank you for having me like it's fun to get to talk about a thing that i enjoyed so much and to get like in depth about it so i could make i could i could just record like 18 hours of talking about i could this, talk like, about it for 18 hours no so one would listen to it <laughs> I mean, not, not, no, no you're right. To you, but like, it, no one would it, it would just be us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listeners, if you like what you heard today, uh, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe to the, <laughs> that's my cat. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and follow Catch Me Outside podcast on Instagram for photos of the show's guests on their adventures. Cheers.